0: Hey, this is Pastor Matt McClure here from Takeover Church. And thank you so much for checking out today's message. We hope it encourages you. We pray it blesses you. We pray it challenges you. And if you don't know, we have service every single Sunday at 1030 a.m. And we would love for you and yours, your family and your friends to come on out, experience church, be a part of all that God is doing through Takeover Church. But hey, we hope this blesses you. Have a great rest of your day. But no, that was great. Wow. Um, Really, really powerful. And uh, my guitar doesn't sound like that when I play it. Thank you.
1: It uh, it's good. It's so good. I don't know what it is. Uh, I don't know what it is. Depth uh,
0: death to the tone or something. Um, but I really do want to say. Um, something like that. Thank you guys so much for being out here tonight. I know I said that a little bit earlier. But um, one of the things I was thinking about earlier this week is, you know, leaders of all kinds, whether they're... Um, our state leaders, our country leaders—obviously, there's a lot going on in that sphere today. Uh, whether it's leaders at Fortune 500 companies or whomever they are, people who lead things—I um, don't know how often we actually sit down and we think and go, "Like, holy crap! Like, what an honor it is to to not not just be like your guys as leaders, but but to have any role in your life whatsoever." Mm-hmm. Um, for Adrienne and I. Um, it's, it's an absolute honor and privilege to have any significance in your life, let alone to be doing this amazing thing called ministry together. So I just want to say thank you from the bottom of our hearts, um, collectively for allowing us to, to be on the journey with you guys. And and we're so grateful. Is that cool? Um, seriously, we, we love you guys. Um, so tonight for the second week of roaring twenties, what's she doing? (laughs) getting fruit. She's booing things. She's getting her Bible. Well, that's good. That's good. Um, But yes, so for the second week of Roaring Twenties, um, I want to kind of talk about a simple word. It's something that I want us to be loud about, not just as a team, but as a church this year. Um, But it's a word that's easier said than it is done. And that word tonight is forgiveness. It's forgiveness. As you know, um, for the church... Forgiveness should be of the highest priority to us. You know, uh, forgiveness yes. is God's. I'm falling down from the ear. You bet. <laughs> God fix that. Um, but for God, forgiveness is is His chief priority. You know, the biggest bat that He swings. It isn't the threat of hell. It's not the. It's not the promises of riches and glory but the thing that draws the sinner's heart home is his forgiveness. Mm -hmm. And so for the local church, for this church specifically, I don't know what everybody else is on about. I don't care what waves they're on. One of the things that I want us to be loud and be active and be moving in purposely with intentionality this year is I want us to be a church that's loud about forgiveness. Does that sound good? Like if forgiveness was his chief priority, then man, it's gotta be our chief priority as well. Because the Bible calls us to be called Christians. We're called Christians. We're not no longer. We're just not long, We're no longer just followers of the way, as people who would follow Jesus when He was actually walking the earth would be called. But but now that He's come, we've been adopted into the family. We're called Christians, which means to be like Christ, little Christ, uh, little Christ. And so, in the interest of being little Christ, I want to see what Jesus had to say on the subject of forgiveness tonight. Is that cool? Yeah. So He says this: Luke twenty three thirty four, coming out of the ESV. He says. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. I'm going to say that one more time. Jesus said, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. Right. And I love that. It's really simple. It's really powerful. But what gives that moment power is is the context of that moment. You see in this moment... Jesus has already hung up on the cross. Jesus is already strung up. There's three other guys hung around him. One guy acknowledges him as, as Lord, as Savior, as the Messiah, as King. Jesus says to this guy, he says, today you will be with me in paradise. Moments following Jesus telling this other guy, because you proclaimed me Lord, today you'll be with me in paradise. What happens next is one of the guards, they go up to Jesus and ask Jesus if he would want some water. And what they do is they set up a sponge that he would believe at the moment is to be full of water. It's actually soaked in vinegar. And so in the middle of of vinegar pouring out of his mouth, coughing... If you ever had vinegar, it's the worst taste in the world, right? Like for me growing up, my mom would always make us have vinegar after every meal. And I still have unforgiveness in my heart. But we're going to take care of that tonight, okay? Mm -hmm. Um, But forgiveness is... Or not forgiveness. uh, Vinegar is terrible. And so in the middle of being just shut down, you know, taste of vinegar, Jesus says these words is what gives it so much power. It's it's not the last words that he would say that it is finished. It's in these moments where he says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they've done. Yeah. And that's that's so powerful to me because for us as Christians I think sometimes we fail to see that in that moment it's not just the most heinous individuals of all time that Jesus is thinking about. It's not just the people that crucified him. It's not just uh, Barabbas who's the baddest of the baddest. It's not just uh, rapists and murderers and all of these other things that we could say. Like, you know, when we think of like the most deplorable human beings, I'm sure we all have horror stories that come to mind that we've heard about or podcasts that we listen to or all of these things where, you know, now we have all of these stories that are about them and we like thriller movies and we like all these things that's not just who Jesus is talking about. I and mean, I would say that far more of the population of the world today isn't just crazy murderers and psychopaths, right? It's normal, everyday, individual human beings. And it's Jesus speaking about us yeah. saying, Father, forgive them for they not know what mm-hmm. they do. Yeah, And it's as I read this simple statement from Jesus that I myself have a little bit of a heart check and go, man, I'm in desperate need of the grace of Jesus. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Every single day, yeah. on the daily, I am in desperate need of His forgiveness, of His love, of His mercy, of His grace. And so, this is really powerful to me that when I think about us as a team and as a church, how forgiveness has to play has to play one of the biggest roles in what we do as a church. You know, for a lot of church leaders, we get in rooms like this, and you know, we'll we'll give a rah rah message. Yeah, we're gonna go. Change the freaking world, blah, like which is great, and I love it. Or we sit in rooms with other church leaders, and we talk about finances, and we talk about logistics, and we talk about uh, what we could do better, how we could, you know, do our teams better, how we could run this or run that or different programs, this and that and the other thing. And I don't know that a lot of church leaders sit in a room such as this with amazing individuals such as yourself, and we actually get down to the hard work and say, Hey, what's up with their heart right now? Where, where's our heart at? What's the condition of our soul? Yeah. Like, how are we doing in the unforgiveness area? Are we harboring unforgiveness? Do we have a deep, bitter root going on? Because it's easier to talk about all these other things that make church appear great, but what makes church great is healthy people. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to sit in this room tonight, and I wanted to talk about the importance and the power of forgiveness. You know, for Adrienne and I, this is just, you know, we've had to exercise that a lot in our own lives and our own marriage and, and all these things. And I don't know about you, but if you've ever been subjected to someone's unforgiveness, it doesn't feel great, does it? No. It doesn't feel great at all. Like, just for an example, I there's been so many times where, for Adrienne and I, as pastor in this church, we've had people come up to us that have been like, <sighs> you know yeah just at my last church they did this and it made me feel this way and now you said this and this and they start projecting their hurt their previous experience their past pain their past failures of church leaders and they start projecting that on you and it's like whoa 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 whoa, slow your roll like i'm not that guy I'll preach better. No, I'm not that guy. That's not our church. I'm not that leader. I didn't fail you that way. I barely know you. I haven't had a chance to offend you. And not only have I now been personally hurt by someone projecting their unforgiveness towards somebody else onto me, it's also stunted my ability to lead them. Yeah, right. It's also stunted my ability to have a relationship with them. Amen. It's stunted my ability to have influence in right. their lives. Right. You see, forgiveness is paramount. To the Christian life, this is something that we have to be people of. We have to be people of forgiveness. How you fall uh, theologically matters. How you fall doctrinally matters. How you fall with you know where you want to be as a denomination. All of these other things. Yeah, those things matter. But what matters most is we got to start with Jesus followers who who aren't harboring unforgiveness, and that's unforgiveness in every area. Because the more unforgiveness that we can uproot, that we can examine, that we can pull out the better leaders ultimately that will be, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I think right now it'd be probably really be easy to say, yeah, that's great for everyone with a title in here. And that's great for everyone who's on paid staff in here. That's great for everyone here. But if I could be blatantly honest, Adrian and I, we lead this thing. Yes. But we consider everybody in this room and everybody who's in the serve chat and who serves on a Sunday, Leaders. Yep. Absolutely. Leaders have never been about a title. Leaders have been about when you answer the call to follow Jesus, when you answer the call by Jesus to come to this church, and when you answer the call by us to get involved and start serving, you became a leader. There are eyes on you watching your moves, watching what you do and what you don't do, and the most important pair of eyes of those is God's. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We're all leaders mm-hmm. in this Room And it's Adrian and I's desire that as lead pastors of Takeover Church, that we would be the most effective leaders that we can be. You know, for us, as I sit and I think about what we look like on the daily, what our lives look like, I mean, unforgiveness, if it's inside of us how many of you know unforgiveness just turns into bitterness pretty quick mm-hmm. unforgiveness the second that settles the second we don't begin to uproot that like it just gets bitter those roots just go down deep that just yeah. gets nasty like you ever met an embittered person mm. dude you don't even got to talk to them Their face looks bitter you know what I'm saying you see them in the grocery store like oh that chick is bitter uh, like it's just a thing that's on you when you're bitter you're just resting bitter face bitter, resting <laughs> resting bitter face that's what I should have called this talk I mean, dragging, bitter, face, right? <laughs> bitter face. I want a resting Bible face. There we go. Uh, oh. Stupid. Oh. That stupid, there we go. But for us, really not we believe that we stupid. No, it's not. Bad. We believe, not, we believe, not, we believe, not as good as my joke, that's all No, it was, it was very <laughs> third grade. Um, but for us, we want to be the most effective church that we can be, the most effective leaders that we can be, the most effective Christians that we can be. And really, that's just living a life of forgiveness. You know, when I think about what I want people to experience when they come to take over church, whether they're family, they've been with us for a long time, they're a part of church, they're serving, they're a part of crews, they're good and they're faithful and they're tied like they're part of the family or they're new with us. I want them to taste and see that the Lord is good, not taste and see that the church is bitter. Yeah. I want them to taste and see before they ever I want them to taste and see before they ever hear a song or hear a message that the Lord is good. That when they encounter you and me in the parking lot, when they encounter you and me in the in the foyer, when they encounter you and me in the streets, in the club, at the bar, at a restaurant, at our house, wherever we find ourselves, our workplace i want people to taste and see that the lord is good by their interactions and their experience with this church yeah and that's got to start with the leadership team yeah. because if you know anything about leadership everything trickles down from the top if a leader's wicked the whole place is going to be wicked if a leader's great and generous the whole place is going to be great and generous if the leaders set the tone and obviously adriana when we're talking about forgiveness this is something that we actively tried to incorporate into our lives. And we look at I because for me, I ain't about unforgiveness. I hate unforgiveness. When people put that on me, like, don't you project your previous hurt onto me? Like I want to throw hands. It bothers me so much. Like I'm not that person. Stop. Like freaking chill out. I didn't do that to you. And it just bothers me to my core. And to be honest, nobody has time for unforgiveness because if you've ever felt somebody else project unforgiveness onto you, you know that it doesn't feel good. You know that it doesn't empower you. And you know that it kind of kills a relationship before it even gets started. Like unforgiveness will kill more relationships than anything else. Because forgiveness is what's going to mend every relationship. You know, it's the Apostle Paul. He said this. You ready? Here we go. Apostle Paul, I said in Ephesians 4.32, he said, Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. So for us in leadership, man, I want to be a conduit of forgiveness, not backed up with unforgiveness. Right. I want to be a conduit of forgiveness. And so Paul, he says, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, hearted forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. And I love that because I wonder if someone was to encounter a Christian who was kind and tender-hearted, what their thoughts on God would begin to be. Mm-hmm. Because what's the opposite of kind? Anybody got a guess? Before you look up a, what, a cinnamon, cin- cinnamon, cinnamon? Cinnamon? How it? Cinnamon? Cinnamon? Cinnamon. Cinnamon is similar. Bro, I also can't pronounce minimum, okay? It's good. You <laughs> <guess> it <is. laughs> ask Adrian. That doesn't happen, or... On Sunday you said it wrong. I did? That <laughs> makes sense. What's oh, the other one that I can't say? Uh, pneumonia. Let's get back on track. You just said Yes! That yes. You I always said pneumonia! Fixed. My mouth is fixed! What Praise God! Okay. It's gonna be great! But what's the opposite of kind? What's the opposite of kind? The kind? Root. There's a lot of really good ones. The actual antonym in the Webster dictionary kind? for kind is- <laughs> oh, 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 oh. Oh, oh. Unforgiveness! Yeah. It's a great pop song from the yes. 80s. Uh, Say it, okay. <laughs> cruel i haven't. Have cruel! Time, I'm like, oh. Oh, oh. My, cruel! Cruel! Oh, oh, uh, oh, wow. What, what, it, what, it, is? it is cruel, I googled <laughs> this. Cruel is the opposite of kindness. And I don't know about you, but it's my posture, it's my conviction. That the world has had enough cruel Christians. That our city, Grand Rapids specifically, has had enough encounters with cruel Christians. That a cruel Christian is contradictory to the Bible. Contradictory. I was right. To the Bible, to the Gospel, to what Jesus did on the cross. You You sure it's not Mm -hmm. contradictory? That's not right? Contradictory. I was right. Contradictory. Contradictory. (laughs) <laughs> it's contradictory to the gospel. Cruel yeah. Christian shouldn't be a thing, but unfortunately, what I, I'm only led to believe that if a Christian isn't forgiving one another as Christ has loved us, and He says that it will make us kind. Like when it says kind and tender hardness by forgiving one another, as Christ has given as uh, as Christ has forgiven you, mm-hmm. kindness and tender hardness is a byproduct of forgiveness. Mm-hmm. So if you're a cruel Christian, chances are. You're not doing a lot of forgiveness. Yeah. If yeah. you're a cruel Christian, chances are you haven't been a, a you haven't been welcoming in a lot of forgiveness, or you've been taking yeah. it from the Lord but giving it to nobody else. Yeah. That's what makes somebody a cruel Christian. So I'm done with cruel yeah. Christian. But what about tender-hearted? What's the opposite of tender-hearted? This one's easy. Hard-hearted. Hard-hearted. You ever met a hard-hearted person? Yeah. They yeah. suck, yeah. right? Like nobody wants to hang out with a hard-hearted person. Nobody wants to be around a hard-hearted person. No one's going to follow a hard-hearted person unless they are fresh out of jail and need a job and that manager just sucks, but it's the only one that would give them a job. Like, nobody's going to follow somebody that's hard-hearted. Nobody's going to go to somebody who's hard-hearted for advice. Nobody's going to go to someone who's hard-hearted for discernment from the Holy Spirit because if you're hard-hearted, chances are you're incapable of giving discernment from the Holy Spirit. And most importantly, nobody's going to go to somebody who's hard-hearted for encouragement. If you're hard-hearted, it's impossible for you to be an encourager because you don't see the good in anything at that point. You are so embittered. You are so just broken and dark on the inside that you don't see good in anything, good in God, good in church. You're just there because it's religious and it's what you're supposed to do or you're so hard-hearted towards the whole thing that you've fallen away completely. Mm -hmm. But Paul is saying, if you forgive one another like Christ has forgiven you, people will experience kindness from you they'll experience tender hardness from you. And here's the thing, if we're not being kind, and we're not being tender-hearted, and that's not what people are experiencing when they first encounter us, then I think we have some questions that we need to start asking ourselves. I think we have some things that we need to start praying about. I think there's some moments that we need to have with God one-on-one and just go, hey, this is where I'm at right now. This is what has happened to me. This is where my life has been. Because friends, I don't I don't want to have a church full of hard-hearted Christians. I don't want to have a church full of cruel people. I want a church full of leaders that, as Adrian and I, we, we talk about this with each other all the time, and it's how we remind ourselves to be when we are hurt by somebody, or we feel like somebody has unforgiveness towards us, or whatever the situation may be, we always remind each other, we've got to have thick skin and a tender heart. Yeah. You know what Jesus says, forgive them for they know not what they do? Maybe the person who hurts you didn't know exactly what they were doing. They took advantage of the situation. They took advantage of you. They knew exactly what they were doing. Those centurion soldiers, they knew exactly what they were doing when they hung Jesus up on the cross. So when Jesus says, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. It's not that they didn't know they were hanging Jesus and killing Jesus. They didn't know the ramifications of hanging and killing Jesus. And so when Jesus, that word is for us, we need to forgive people for they know not what they do. They had no idea the unforgiveness that you were gonna harbor. They had no idea the years that they were gonna steal from you. They had no idea the joy they were gonna take from you, the trust they were gonna take from you, your inability to have a relationship with somebody. Like they had no idea what they did when they committed an act against you. Right. Because I think it's easy to sit in a room like this and hear somebody talk about forgiveness versus unforgiveness and how we are better leaders because of forgiveness and go, yeah, Matt, but you don't know what they did. You don't know what they did to me. You don't know what they took from me. You don't know what they pushed on me. You don't know what they lied, how they gossiped, how they stole. You don't know how they sinned against me, and I get it. I may not understand every part of that story, but I can understand that they strung you out, that they lied, that they gave you vinegar, and they stabbed you in the chest, and they killed you. I can understand that. But Jesus still says, Forgive, for they know not what they do. Yeah, because he's not. And so for us. <laughs> so for us as a team, there's a lot of churches and there's a lot of clubs and there's a lot of institutions and there's a lot of people groups. They're allowed about a lot of things right now. Yeah. Yeah. And that's fine. Be loud about the left, be loud about the right, be loud about politics, be loud about sex, be loud about sin, be loud about music, be loud about this, that, whatever you wanna be loud about. Churches, clubs, social groups, institutions, whomever, be loud about whatever the bloody crap you want. As for me and this house, in 2020, we're gonna be loud about forgiveness, amen? We're gonna be loud about forgiveness in this city, we're going to be known as a church that's about forgiveness. We're not about fire and brimstone, because God's not about fire and brimstone. That's a byproduct. It's a part of it, but it's this hope that His forgiveness would draw the sinner's heart back home. Yeah. yeah. But if anybody's if anybody's going to feel that forgiveness, if anybody's going to taste that forgiveness, if anyone's going to experience the love and kindness and tender hardness of God, they've got to experience the love and kindness and tender hardness of us first. Yeah. yeah. 'Cause this is gonna make us great leaders. For us as takeover church, we don't believe that that we just have a church that just happens. Okay? Everything that we do, everything that we don't do actually has prayerful time and consideration put into it because for leadership, it's both what you go for and what you allow. Yeah. It's what you go for and it's what you allow. So when we're trying to talk about being kind and tender hearted and forgiving, make no mistake, that doesn't mean that we're weak. That doesn't mean that we just let things skate. That doesn't mean that we don't call uh, ungodliness, ungodliness. It doesn't mean that we don't correct where correction needs to be had. It doesn't mean mean that we don't stand up for justice when it needs to be happening. And it doesn't mean that we uh, don't speak up when we need to. It does mean that we don't speak up when we don't need to. It does mean that we can be quiet on some issues because that's really not the chief concern right now. The chief concern is someone's heart. But leadership is what you go for. And it's what you allow. And for me, I want to go for forgiveness. I don't want to allow unforgiveness. I want us to be a team that shoots for forgiveness and does not allow unforgiveness to take root. Because here's the thing when people encounter us and we're unforgiveness and we have bitterness and we're hard-hearted and we're cruel people. It stunts our influence, it handicaps our relationship. It detours what God's trying to do in their life because we're not picking up our end of the deal and saying, I'm going to reach them. I'm going to do everything in my power to get with God, to uproot this stuff so I can be the best leader and maximize my time and my abilities here and now on this earth. Uh Because unforgiveness isn't maximizing what God's given you. It's actually just harboring all this stuff against everybody else. Uh So in just a moment, I'm going to ask Rusty to lead us in another song, a very purposeful song, a a song that I felt led that we (laughs) should sing together. And what I want to do is this. I want us to actually spend some time with God in this moment. You got something you need to say out loud. You can do it. If you want to keep it aside, we just you and the Lord and the Holy Spirit. Do your thing. But one of the things that is really important for us <laughs> don't have dogs at team um, nights. I'm just kidding. But, but what's important for us is that we, begin, we be a people of forgiveness. And so when we pray in this time, I want us to really take inventory of our heart. I want us to take inventory of our soul. I want us to take inventory of our mindsets. And I want us to actually ask God the question do I have unforgiveness towards anybody? And then I want us to ask God for forgiveness for for not giving people. And then I want to start confessing forgiveness over those people. And I know for a lot of us, because of our stories and our history, that might be really hard to do. But you forgiving them, it may not change them, and it doesn't have the time machine to go back and fix what happened to you and how they offended and hurt you. But what forgiveness does have the power to do is to change you it's to set you free when we start walking in forgiveness we're set free to be the best leaders to be the best christians to be the best takeover church that we can be Mm -hmm. so that's what i want to do in this moment as rusty begins to lead us in this this last little song here is i want us to take time ask the lord get down to the nitty-gritty and let's uproot that sucker and let's let forgiveness flow out of us. Does that sound good? Yeah, it's good.